Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of the Well Then Podcast, a show where we take a mind-body-spirit approach to living your most vibrant and love-filled life. In today's solo episode, we are going to be talking about a very important topic for any of you single people out there who might be stuck in a particular relationship pattern that you know does not feel very good to you, but you're not sure how to get out of it. And that is the pattern of attracting emotionally unavailable partners. So today we're going to talk about how to begin to attract and be attracted to emotionally available partners. But in order to do that, we first need to have an understanding of why we've been in a cycle of attracting emotionally unavailable partners in the first place, what our role in that pattern is, what to look out for, and how to heal, move forward, and do things differently in your dating life. And let's start with actually why we would even want to do this. It might seem obvious, but I think it's very important that we start with our intentions because when we go about anything in our life unintentionally, it can lead to a lack of clarity. And clarity is the thing that helps us get more of what we want. So why would we want to learn to attract more emotionally available partners? Well, there's lots of reasons. The main one being that it will ultimately lead to a deeper, richer, more fulfilling partnership that will ideally enhance the quality of our life overall. And when we're stuck in relationships or situationships with avoidant and emotionally unavailable people, you might know all too well that familiar feeling of not feeling seen, of not feeling valued, of not feeling loved or special or important that ultimately can erode at your sense of self-esteem over time, especially if this pattern has been repeating itself for quite some time. And I meet a lot of people, women in particular, who are in this pattern of ending up in situationships or relationships with avoidant partners, and it usually looks a little something like this. The person, the woman that I'm speaking to says something like, I really want a relationship. I really want love. I want, you know, long-term commitment, monogamy, marriage, whatever their particular desires and values are. I want all of that so bad. I'm ready for it. And yet I keep ending up with emotionally unavailable guys or avoidant guys or guys who don't want to commit to me or I keep ending up in situationships and it's so frustrating because I feel like they seem great at first, everything's awesome, and then later on down the line, I learn that they're not really available or they don't want what I want. And so how do I change this? And the truth is kind of a harsh reality in this situation. And, and by the way, I'm speaking from a lot of personal experience here. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while or know pieces of my, my own story, you know that I myself struggled with the pattern of emotional unavailability in partnerships and being in situationships for, uh, let's say the majority of my 20s. <laughs> it was a long-standing pattern in my life and it took a lot of intentionality and uh, a willingness to get really honest with myself about some uncomfortable truths in order to move through it. And so what that uncomfortable, harsh truth is, is that at its core, the pattern of attracting emotionally unavailable partners indicates that there is some part of you that is also emotionally unavailable. Now, why that can be so hard 
for somebody like I used to be, or maybe somebody like you to hear someone who deeply wants a relationship is because it feels like this punch in the gut of like, no, I'm, I'm not the emotionally unavailable one. They are. I want to commit. I'm showing up. I, I say that I want to be with them and they're the one who doesn't want to be with me. And that's the pattern that keeps happening. And so on the surface, it can look like I'm available and ready for love and they aren't. And it's just this pattern that I'm stuck in and can't do anything about. And that's obviously disempowering. Anytime we paint ourselves a picture of a situation that makes us feel helpless, like there's nothing we can do about it, it's just out of our control, it's going to be really defeating. And it's honestly going to perpetuate the pattern even more because that's the story we're telling ourselves. So that's what we come to expect. So then that's sort of the confirmation bias that we go out into the dating world and the world with and looking to, to confirm. But when we are willing to consider the possibility that we might actually be playing a bigger role in this pattern than we realized, and that there actually might be some part of us who is emotionally unavailable to a certain degree, and we'll talk about the different um, sort of ways that that can show up and how that can look. But when we're willing to admit that, that's when we take our agency back. That's when we step back into our power and realize, oh, there's actually something I could do about this. Yes, I, I might, you know, be coming across a lot of people who have this same pattern, but what role am I playing in actively choosing those people in continuing to entertain relationships or situationships with them well beyond the point when I'm aware that they are emotionally unavailable and not aligned with what I actually say that I want. So what are some of the reasons why we might be emotionally unavailable and how can that actually show up for us? How can that look? So at the sort of foundation of this pattern for a lot of people is some sort of childhood experience with emotionally emotional unavailability in one or both of your parents or primary caregivers. So when you grew up with a parent who was not fully emotionally available or attuned to your needs or made it a safe space for you to feel, express, and process emotions or rejected or abandoned you in some way, it can create this pattern of emotional unavailability because, again, it's what we came to expect. That was the original sort of patterning that we got around love. And so that's then what we go unconsciously out into the world expecting to see and the treatment that we expect to receive from other people because it's what's known and it's what's familiar. So again, consciously, we might say, I really want a healthy, beautiful, loving relationship. But subconsciously, what the sort of programming beneath the surface is saying is that I don't know that that's possible for me because I've never seen it before, or I don't believe that I'm worthy of that. I don't feel like I'm good enough for that because I was taught growing up that I wasn't good enough based on you know the way that I was treated by my parents or primary caregivers or early relationships, which we'll get into in a minute. And so I'm subconsciously looking to confirm or reaffirm that particular belief because it makes sense to me. We want, we essentially just want to make sense of our world and the things that have happened to us in the past. And so if we can't make sense of the fact that a parent wasn't emotionally present in the way that we needed them to be, because to a kid who just wants love, nurturing, and affection, 
then we make we find ways to make sense of it later on in relationships. So we make sense of it by saying, see, this person treated me that way too. It must mean that I'm inherently unlovable or unworthy. There's something wrong with me. Now that I've proved that pattern, I can just kind of continue to stew in this story of, well, emotionally available healthy love is just not going to be possible for me. So again, we're not doing this consciously. I want to continue to reiterate that because I know that you want love. I know that you might even feel like you're ready for it and like you've done a lot of healing in order to get there and it might not make sense why you haven't been able to experience it yet. But being able to sit with the possibility that there might be this part of you who has been playing a bigger role in this pattern than you thought can make such a a huge impact on how you relate to your dating life and ultimately the type of people or person that you end up with. So again, early childhood, if a parent was emotionally unavailable, not attuned to your needs, um, you know, neglectful or abandoned you, that can definitely set you up for this particular pattern. But let's say you had really wonderful, healthy, loving, stable, grounded parents who were there for you and let you experience your emotions in a healthy way and, you know, overall didn't have a traumatic or, or troubling childhood, you know, to your experience your knowledge or recollection but maybe one of your early formative romantic relationships was tumultuous maybe you had you know a middle school or high school relationship or even college when the partner that you chose to be with was emotionally unavailable themselves or avoidant or was unfaithful or you know cheated or betrayed you in some way And it created this core wound, again, at a time where your brain is still developing. Up until age 25, really, our brains are still rapidly forming these neural pathways and essentially networks and connections in the brain that form our understanding of the world around us and our place in it, what it means to love and be loved and interact with other people, what we can come to expect from other people. And so if that was one of your formative experiences... A relationship that taught you that, you know, healthy love doesn't exist for me or love is all over the place or love is unstable or I can't really be my full self in a relationship or love isn't safe because it hurts, then again, you can go into your adult relationships essentially seeking to either affirm that pattern or subconsciously trying to change it. So this kind of builds upon both. If you had an unavailable parent or caregiver or an unavailable, tumultuous, harmful, early romantic relationship, what we can do is then unconsciously go seek future partners, pick future partners who are going to fulfill that same role in our lives while we are secretly hoping for a different outcome. So it's like we're trying to fix the problem that originated with a parent or early relationship with a whole new partner or a whole new set of partners who display the same qualities and characteristics. And life doesn't work that way, (laughs) but we unconsciously think that it will. We're playing out this pattern of like, well, if this person will choose me, then it will make it better that I didn't feel chosen or seen or loved by my parents. Or if I can get this guy to choose me, then it will make up for the massive heartbreak that I felt in my teens or early 20s. And it makes sense when you look at it that way of like, oh, okay, I'm just trying to rectify something from the past that didn't didn't get resolved. Like it didn't 
get fully healed or addressed or integrated at the time. And so my subconscious is playing out that pattern in order to get a resolution now. Got it. That makes sense. Okay, now I might see how I could be playing a role in choosing these unavailable partners. Now, what's another way that we might ourselves actually be emotionally unavailable or unavailable to healthy love? Well, one instance or example is if we were never modeled what healthy expression and processing of emotions looked like, or if we got in trouble or shamed or blamed or judged or ridiculed for having big emotions, for you know, crying if we were made fun of for that, or if we weren't allowed to be angry in our household. Basically, basically, if it wasn't safe to feel any emotions, then we're going to have a hard time connecting to big emotions, giving ourselves the space to feel and process them and express them and communicate them in, in supportive ways to the people around us. And at the same time, if we maybe did have those skills at one point in time and growing up, it was a safe place to feel big emotions. But then again, we experienced um, relationships or situations in, in our formative years that were really hurtful, really painful, and we didn't feel like we had the capacity to fully feel the weight of those big emotions or to be able to sit with that for a long period of time, then essentially we've created this disconnect between ourselves and pain or discomfort or big emotions. And being able to sit with big emotions is sort of a prerequisite for a lasting loving relationship for a couple reasons. One, because in order to build a a sustaining, close, fulfilling bond with another person, we have to be able to be vulnerable ourselves. We have to be in tune with our own emotional state, not just the good emotions, not just the happy, fuzzy, beautiful ones like love and bliss and you know lust and joy and pleasure, but we also have to be able to sit with the uncomfortable emotions. We have to be able to communicate those emotions to our partner. We have to be able to let our partner in. And in order to do that, We have to be able to sit with those emotions ourselves and not judge, shame, or criticize them. It's really hard to let somebody else in if we're not even letting ourselves in, if we're disconnected from our own emotional states. And at the same time, if we're disconnected from our own emotions, oftentimes we might be somebody who is then misaligned or not attuned to the emotional states of others and maybe even judge other people for having big emotions. We judge them for crying or getting upset because that wasn't safe for us growing up. So that's on the on sort of one side of the coin of like we need emotional depth and availability to be able to form a bond with somebody. And the other side of the coin is that I think we all <laughs> know on some level or another even though we sometimes wish this weren't the case that love and relationships, I should say, are inherently a risk. When we fall in love with somebody and it feels exhilarating and exciting and like, oh my gosh, I've never felt this way before. This is so amazing. There's also some part of us that acknowledges that this love could go away. You know, people 
have free will. (laughs) People could choose to leave or change their minds at any time. And also, you know, we all die at some point as well. So nothing is guaranteed to last forever. And that knowing for some people can feel like too big of a weight to bear. The risk of love might feel too scary because you've been hurt in the past or left or rejected or abandoned in the past or you had some big wound in the past that felt like it was just too much to be able to sit with those emotions. And so again, we become disconnected, unavailable for the experience of love because we're not willing to experience the potential wounding, heartbreak, fallout on the other side, that that risk that is inherent in love. And so when either of those are true, when we're not connected to our own emotional state, we like don't know how to be with our own emotions and be a safe space for that or for our partners, or we're not really willing to take that risk and put our heart on the line knowing that we could get hurt in the end or in the middle or any time along the way, when we do that, It can lead to this pattern of unconsciously choosing emotionally unavailable people because that actually feels safer. Now, stay with me for a second because that might not make sense. You might feel like, wait, but I'm getting hurt by these emotionally unavailable people. It doesn't feel safe because it hurts when they don't choose me. I want them to choose me. I want love. Again, consciously you desire love. Consciously, you desire partnership and connection and you crave that particular relationship status, whatever that looks like. But if unconsciously behind the surface, beneath the surface, you've got these other narratives and patterns that are sort of running the show for you, then it's going to feel safer to choose an emotionally unavailable partner because you know you won't ever have to fully open yourself up to them and you know that they're never fully going to choose you. So there's a little bit less risk involved. There's less loss involved if it's not, you know, your whole heart on the line. And if you were never fully in a relationship with them, they were never fully invested in you, then when it does inevitably end, there can be this unconscious feeling that like, well, that would hurt less than if I put it all out there for a big love and I lost a big love. That would be devastating. So sit with that (laughs) for a second, because if any part of that rings true, you want to take a deep breath and first know that it's okay. It's normal. It's understandable given whatever life experience you've had up until this point that you would be playing a role in this pattern of attracting emotionally unavailable partners into your life. And that can be hard to sit with. So I want to acknowledge that first. Continue to breathe into it and continue to explore this possibility as you feel ready to. Honestly, for me, it it took a long time for me to be ready and willing to get to the place where I could admit that like, oh, actually I'm the emotionally unavailable one. All these years, I've been projecting that story and saying like, oh, these guys are emotionally unavailable. And they were, but I wasn't willing or able or ready to admit to myself that actually I was pretty unavailable in a lot of ways too. There were parts of me that were deeply, deeply afraid 
of getting rejected or abandoned again because that had happened in my past and it felt so painful. I didn't ever want to go back there. There were parts of me that were just not willing to sit with my big feelings and my big emotions because I didn't have the capacity, the nervous system regulation tools, the awareness to be able to do that. It didn't feel safe to do that. You know, that might be like the whole emotional spectrum for some people. For me, anger was a big one. I wasn't willing or able to let myself sit with because anger wasn't a safe emotion for me to express growing up. And if I'm not able to get angry to, you know, hit a limit to express a boundary, then I'm never really fully going to be myself in a relationship. And I saw that pattern showing up time and time again. My boundaries, which were non-existent, were constantly getting crossed and I kept allowing it, which I thought was sort of this like people pleaser type vibe of like, I just want to make other people happy. But what it really was is that I wasn't willing or able to sit with my own anger, my own discomfort. And I wasn't certainly willing to get to the place where I could communicate what was and was not okay with me and risk somebody else being upset or uncomfortable with me. And again, potentially rejecting or abandoning me. So that was huge for me to realize, wow, if I can't be with all of my emotions in a safe way, then how could I expect myself to be in an emotionally healthy and available relationship? And I saw this a lot in, in early relationships too, of finding it hard to open up. You know, I would ask questions about the other person all day long and I was fascinated to get to know other people and their heart and, you know, how their inner world and inner mind worked and wanted to know everything about them and thought that the, it sort of gave me this false sense of, of closeness and I could feel like I was falling in love with people because I knew them so deeply, but I was never giving them the chance to fully know me. And some partners would comment on that, like, oh my gosh, it's like pulling teeth trying to get you to open up. Or when I would try to open up, I would get really nervous and anxious and maybe even cry. And it was hard for me to dig deep and, and share vulnerably what was really going on in my inner world. And so that can never be a healthy experience of love if it's so one-sided. And I had to be willing to sit with all of those truths, all of those realities that as much as I thought I was this like deeply loving person who loved love and craved love, I actually wasn't opening my heart in ways that made me emotionally unavailable for the type of relationship that I said that I wanted. And in some ways, I was reenacting my past, past relationships, past, you know, experiences in childhood, trying to... Um, you know, resolve those patterns that never got resolved, resolve those wounds that never got resolved earlier on. And when we recognize these patterns and then we make a conscious decision to not head down that path again, to not do what feels familiar, what feels safe, what feels comfortable, and to make a new choice, that's the really brave thing to do. Being emotionally available is freaking brave as hell. Like it's so hard, especially if you were never taught how to do it, if you were never taught that it was safe, if you believe that you don't deserve it, like if you really, if some part of you is deeply insecure, which I know I was and, and so many of us are, and you feel like that you 
on some level are not good enough or worthy enough for any kind of love, let alone a healthy love, if all of those things feel true for you, then being willing to dive deep and and do this work and become emotionally available is brave work. It's hard work, but it's also the key to not only the type of romantic relationship that you want to experience, but the type of relationship with yourself that you deserve to experience and probably don't even know is possible right now. I honestly cannot even express to you the massive difference in the quality of my life because of the relationship that I have to myself now compared to five years ago, especially 10 years ago when I was just really in in the thick of these patterns of emotional unavailability and insecurity and feeling unworthy and all these stories that I didn't know were, were running the show for me and sort of driving my love life and my life in general. And so it really is a matter of getting to a place where you're willing to create a new narrative around love. And that always starts with your relationship with self. So I want to be really clear here that as you're building this new awareness of like, oh my gosh, maybe I've played a role in this pattern. It's not an invitation for self-blame to say that like, oh my God, I'm so broken. I'm so wounded. I was the problem all along and woe is me and I'm doomed to keep repeating this forever. Instead, it's an invitation to say, whoa, I played a bigger role in this pattern than I realized. And that actually means that I have more agency over it than I realized. And it means that there's some part of me that needs some healing, some nurturing, some love and care that it never got. And if I give those parts of me that love and care, maybe I could actually experience love in a really different way. Maybe I could experience this deep inner knowing that even though love feels risky and scary at times that it is still safe to love and to be vulnerable and that it's not always painful and that it's actually quite beautiful and that I'm worthy of it and that just because I haven't seen it before like maybe I don't have a model of what healthy looks love looks like from my past or from my childhood my parents even though I haven't seen it that maybe I can believe that it's possible for me And what would it look like if I were to begin to set that standard in my life? If I were to start to believe that available, healthy love, reciprocal, mutual love is possible for me, what choices would I be making? What would I be doing differently? How would I be speaking to myself? And and what would shift in my life? Well, maybe it means that that situationship that I've been in or that on again, off again relationship that I've been in for forever, maybe it means I'd finally end that. Maybe becoming emotionally available to myself means that I could get to the point where I was willing and able to admit that that isn't actually what I want. And even though I'm scared to let go of that person and the hope that we were going to end up together, that, you know what, they're not showing up in the way that a partner that I would want to be with shows up. And they've proven to me that they're not looking for or available for the type of love that I want. So maybe I'd finally set that boundary and set that standard for myself in my life. And then what would open up as a result of finally ending that particular relationship or that particular pattern? 
And wow, maybe if I was more emotionally available to myself, it would feel safer to let people get to know me. And that would actually make dating more fun because it wouldn't be this one-sided thing where I know everything about them, but I'm terrified to share anything about myself. Maybe it would actually be exciting to start to reveal pieces of myself and connect with people in a brand new way, in a deeper way, because of this newfound vulnerability. So just starting to consider what that might feel like. And if that were to be your new experience, if that were to be your new reality, what would become possible for you in your love life? And that's ultimately what this whole conversation comes down to. You know, we started off by saying that we are going to talk about how to attract emotionally available people into your life. And then we went into a big conversation about how you might be emotionally unavailable yourself. Maybe your heart has been guarded in a lot of ways. Maybe you've been unconsciously choosing these particular partners because it actually feels safer or because it feels familiar and it feels known. So what there is for you to do is shift what feels familiar and known. One of my teachers and and mentors has shared this this sentiment that, you know, our brain loves what's familiar, our, our mind loves what's familiar, and we gravitate towards what's familiar and known because it's it's comfortable and it feels safe. So if we want to experience something other than what we've been experiencing, we have to take what is currently familiar and make it unfamiliar. We do that by distancing ourselves from it, by not engaging in those same habits, patterns, or beliefs all the time and creating some separation between us and that thing, ending that situationship. (laughs) And then we make what is currently unfamiliar, aka the thing that we want to experience, we make it familiar. And we do that by visualizing, by bringing into our experience the sensations and thoughts and feelings and sights and sounds of what it is that we want to have. We start to surround ourselves with stories of really healthy love and seeing how those couples interact with one another, hearing what their you know, love story has looked like along the way. We start to close our eyes and visualize the type of partnership that we want to have. And we start to do that so often that it feels so real that it becomes our reality. Because then anyone that we're dating or interacting with who doesn't match that experience, those sensations, that visualization, it's an easy no. We'll be able to say, oh, nope, you're... A representation of the old pattern. I'm not doing that anymore. So this isn't a fit for me. And then when somebody shows up who is healthy and available, we'll be able to say yes to them because we've made it familiar. We've made it known. This is one of the many reasons why oftentimes when people go from toxic relationship patterns to finally being in a healthy relationship, they experience it as like boring or like it doesn't feel like there's that charge it feels you know uninteresting and that's just because they haven't learned to be attracted to healthy they've only been attracted to toxic and so same thing goes for emotional unavailability you're learning to be unattracted to unavailability you're learning to when you see those signs of unavailability, go, oh, that's not for me. I'm actually really not into that. That doesn't do anything for me. And then when you see somebody who's like deeply vulnerable and available and 
you know, experiencing reciprocal mutual attraction with you and they're sharing like equal investment and interest in this new relationship, not love bombing, but like equal steady interest. That's hot. You see that and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is what I've been familiarizing myself with and visualizing like this is the thing I've been creating for myself. And now that it's here in my reality, I can say yes to it. So it's not necessarily a switch that you flip, although I will say once you have this realization for the first time that like, whoa, maybe I'm unavailable in some ways, that does shift things in a pretty massive way and it gives you the permission to start to explore that pattern in a new way than you ever have before and you can make the decision to just like stop dating unavailable people like the the moment you see that they are unavailable in some way. And we can go into signs of uh, availability in a future episode if that's interesting for you. But as soon as you see it, you're willing to say, oh, nope, not for me. Nice to know you. Nice to meet you. But like moving on, let's go our separate ways. You can do that. The action is really important. You have to actually shift your action to have a new experience, but you also have to heal the wounds beneath the surface. So like if you did experience emotionally unavailable parents or a really, you know, big heartbreak from an early romantic relationship, you have to sit with and heal those core wounds and the parts of you who created these patterns and stories and beliefs in the first place. So both of those things have to be happening, the inner work and the outer action in order to create a sustainable change in any area of our life. But especially for this pattern, if you've had a long-standing pattern of situationships or avoidant or unavailable partners. And yeah, then little by little, you'll get to this place where you realize, oh yeah, I am attracted to emotionally available people now. That is just my reality. And then you'll be in the relationship that you've craved and desired. And it will be from a much more grounded, open-hearted, healthy place from within yourself, first and foremost. Honestly, I could talk about this all day because it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart, having lived through that experience so much myself. And I love seeing women shift this pattern in their lives. Anybody, but I, I work primarily with women. And I've seen so many of my clients really heal the parts of their heart that were unavailable and come to a place where they're able to experience healthy, available love for the first time. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I want that for you too. You know, if you're listening to this and resonating with all of this, know that it's possible for you. I want that for you. I'm holding that space for you and the possibility that this can happen. Just keep showing up for yourself and doing the work. And of course, if you need support along the way, please reach out to me, ask questions, send me a DM uh, or an email. If you want to chat about working together and, and really getting support and healing this pattern in your love life, we can do that as well. Um, and also be on the lookout, depending on when this comes out, actually, the announcement might already be out there, but my, my new group program in supporting women in healing relationship patterns is a really great place um, to explore if you want to do a group community format rather than one-on-one support. If this topic really resonated with you as well and you are looking for more resources and you want me to dig deeper into different elements of this particular pattern, let me know. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I love your feedback and suggestions. I love hearing from listeners of this podcast. So 
send me a message. Let me know what you'd love to learn more about. And um, I just really appreciate you listening. I was talking to a couple listeners the other day who shared some of their favorite episodes and it just makes me so happy because with podcasting, you don't get like the instant feedback like you would on social media. And it's just so wonderful to know when people listen to an episode all the way through and and really learn from it and benefit from it. And it uh, is why I do what I do. So I appreciate you if you're listening to this and made it this far. And I always make the recommendation that if you know someone in your life who is also struggling with this pattern or could benefit from hearing this topic, pay it forward and please share this episode with them and follow me on, um, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, my handle is Megan share on TikTok. It's heal with Megs. I post tips and guidance on both of those pretty regularly. So it's a great way to keep in touch about all my offerings as well. And just know that I appreciate you. And again, holding space for you through whatever your heart is healing at this point in time. And until next time, as always have a happy, healthy and love filled day.